0: Namaste, my name is Rajat. Uh, I have uh, graduated with a PhD from uh, Indian Institute of Science in the field of electronics. Shastras, is it an impediment to progress? That's the outline of the presentation. Start out with the motivation, <laughs> rather personal motivation actually. And then Shastras present the inside of you. And then Paulus view how it differs, and then conclude. So, uh, in 2001, Angus Madison came out with his study on the World Economic History where he has analysed the last uh, 2 millennia and then he has found out that India and China were leading in the economic front producing almost uh, more than half of the world's GDP for almost 15 centuries continuously. It's quite apparent that we have lost out on the economic uh, contribution but it seems as though even on the cultural side uh, there has been a decline in the contribution which is uh, reflected in the, best reflected in the Sanskrit uh, complete body of texts. So for example, many scholars agree that in literature after Kalidasa, literature I mean here Kadhya, so after Kalidasa and even during Kalidasa, there has been not, uh, the contribution which has come doesn't compare to the standards which Kalidasa has uh, given. And in Yakarna also after Munitraya, that level of contribution did not come, although... Uh, Kartrari has tried in his bhakti And Vedanta after Shankaracharya has not come to that standard, although there have been contributions, it's not that they are not there, but not to that level. Ayurveda again after the three grades. And uh, Swami Vivekananda Vivekan also points out that around the 11th, 12th centuries, in art, music and sculpture, people started giving more importance to overdoing of detailing and uh, intricacy rather than focusing on simplicity and originality and he calls it as a decline. So that's a point to note. He calls it as a decline. I'm not saying it's a decline. He observes this as a decline in one of his uh, lectures uh, in the work before us. It's, it's in the part of the lecture series from Colombo to Almora. You can find that. And uh, there is an exception to this general rule of uh, decline especially in mathematics and astronomy and also in architecture. This is pointed out by Pollock himself in his paper. And it's quite well, uh, I mean, we agree with it, right? So, in mathematics, we have the, starting with all the way from Aryabhata or Raha Meera to the Kerala school and even till Ramanujam, we see a good uh, continuity and continuous contribution. Although, uh, it's a pity that Indians in general are not too aware of all these contributions. So, so, for me, I need an explanation to understand this decline, whether we should really call it a decline. And if we call it a decline, why did it happen? And how do we, as Indians, rejuvenate? And of course, no more stupid. So that is where I come from. So some of the explanations which people have given are obviously the invasions. But some people say it is not very satisfying because pre-Mughal invasion or pre-Islamic invasion, there have been other invasions. Greek, Huns, Shakas, Kushans. But India has warded them off successfully. Not only that, even it has accepted the people, the refugees, and integrated them well into the society. So so, uh, so some people point out that maybe invasions is not the only answer possible. And Swami Vivekananda again points out that Buddhism and Jainism when they were ruling the rules uh, there was a lot of emphasis given for Nirvana, for the masses also, emphasizing sannyasa too much. So that led to a decline in the Kshatra power which again led to invasions uh, taking over. So that's another argument. And Sanjay Sanyal in his book, uh, Where is the Indian Renaissance? He says, maybe there was a change in mindset where people suddenly started becoming inward looking rather than going out and exploring. Because he points out that India had a very thriving shipbuilding industry and had a very good uh, maritime history. But then suddenly this thought entered that crossing the ocean is a taboo. So we don't know where this change in mindset came about and that could be one of the reasons for this decline. And finally, uh, Parag says that Shastras, you know, is the reason for this decline, which which will take up for more discussion. So before that, uh, why Indians hold Shastras on such a high pedestal in my view, comes from this uh, Indian theory of epistemology or the theory of knowledge of Brahmanas. So this is mainly a contribution of the Logicians, the Tarkikas, Nyaya Vaisheshita school of uh, philosophy, where they come up with six valid means of knowledge. So which I have uh, enumerated there. So, prateksha is direct perception. <coughs> Anumana is one step inference. For example, uh, you see smoke from a mountain, so you infer that fire is there in the mountain. Upumana is uh, an example. So, in a book, I see the picture of a cow and when I see a cow outside, I you know, uh, I get a knowledge that it is the same cow. And Arthapati is a two step uh, inference. Anupalati is not perception. For example, I don't see a cat in this room. And Shabda is reference. This is where the whole world of the Veda will come in. But what is more important is the definition of a Pramana. So how do we know? It is a valid means of knowledge. So for Pramana, there are three criteria. Anadhi Abadhita, Arthavata. So when I say in the absence of a certain Pramana, I won't even suspect that I don't know something. For example, a blind man does not even suspect that he doesn't know colour. So that is the importance of a pramana, a means of knowledge. And abhadita means that one pramana can neither verify nor negate the knowledge arising from another pramana. For example, so in this context, what it means is when I say Veda is Shabda Pramana, none of the other five direct perception or any or any amount of logic or any amount of examples which people can come up with will not be able to either verify the Vedic statements, nor negate. No, this is the understanding. You may not agree with it, but this is the understanding of the Pramana Shastra. So, this understanding is where the high potential for Shastra is validated. And Arthavata, of course, is uh, 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 some uh, means of knowledge should have some utility. That is very natural. And every Shastra, whether it has the status of Veda or slightly lower status, will have this Anubunda Chetvastaya wherein it has to have some utility, there will be a subject matter, there will be a relationship between the subject matter and the utility and there should be a person who is qualified, what are the qualifications necessary to undertake such a, a pursuit of the knowledge of the shastra. For example, in cooking, utility will be satiation of hunger, Which subject matter is the recipe, how to cook and the samadha will be to procure the raw materials to go through the process of cooking. And to finally eat the food which is produced. So each of the steps is necessary and very important. And Adhikari is of course one who has the ability to cook this recipe in a decently edible manner. Whereas you could have other Shastras for example according to Advaita Vedanta. Knowledge itself is the only way to moksha. So that is where the samandha. is once you get the knowledge you don't have to do anything else. So, this is enshrined in the Purusha, Purusha Sutta. Tameva Viditva So, knowing alone, knowledge itself is the end. You don't have to do anything after that. So, you'll have different Shastras. So, every Shastra is a clear cut Arvandha Chatushtaya. Okay, so, a couple of quotes, ending. For the interest of time, I'll skip these quotes. And uh, another important uh, uniqueness of Hinduism is the separation of the Shurti and the Shruti. So, when I said, the, uh, especially the Shabda Pramana, it refers to mainly the Shrutis, which are held to be eternal truths, which are discovered by rishis. So, in this context, the rishis are called Mantra Kristas, because we hold the Vedas to be a collection of mantras. And Shrutis are other works, which are authored. So, notice the difference. The first Shruti is discovered. The best example given is like gravity. And Shruti is an authored text by sages. And the smutti will always subserve the shruti. That is the understanding. And this is what is unique to Hinduism because we all are very familiar with the havoc with the one book religions as somebody mentioned where the shruti and the smutti, the eternal principles and the social norms are combined into one book and that is creating havoc in society. So this is where we have the smutis wherein the smutis will change from age to age. So a certain text mentions that for Satya Yoga there is a particular Smriti, for the Dvapara there is another, for the Treta there is yet another, etc. So there is clear understanding that the Smritis will vary over time according to the change in social conditions. But somehow, over time we have lost this knowledge, somehow as a society we have forgotten and again Swami Vivekananda quoting him, he makes this observation that some, you know, some uh, ritual, some happening in some temple or some village will gain the authority which is given to the Vedas. This is basically because we have not understood this uh, difference between the Shruti and Smriti somehow. It has missed over time and then, so this is something we need to um, bring back. So maybe at this juncture I think we can say perhaps that it's not Shastra which is uh, an impediment to progress. Maybe it's our wrong understanding or misunderstanding of Shastras which we need to ourselves overcome. Okay, uh, so another important uh, topic is the difference of two vidyas. This comes in the Mundu Kopenishal. When the student Chanaka asks his teacher, what is that, knowing which everything will be known, the guru replies, there are two types of knowledge which you need to acquire. One is called the Paravidya and another is the Aparavidya. Literally, it means higher knowledge and lower knowledge. So, uh, in in the morning, Professor Ja again uh, mentioned prayers and shreyas, so that exactly translates here. But what what needs to be noted is, that the distinction is made very clear. You should know both. The lower knowledge for means of livelihood, as a means of soci- um, uh, service to society, and once development, but as again was pointed out in the morning, this will not lead to fulfillment because you can keep on improving these aspects and there's no end to it. And therefore we go for the Paravidya through which we get the total freedom. And another thing is, all the topics which we discussed till now it is not found explicitly mentioned in any given source text. For example, if you would take the Gita and scan this, you will not be able to find directly all these things elucidated this way. And this is where the insider comes in as a guru and teaches the student who is seeking to know. So if you go to the source directly, source text directly, maybe the Upanishads even, it is not very clear apparently and explicitly. So that is where the Prakarana Granthas come in and then they help us get acquainted with what are the pramanas what does Shastra mean, etc., which I will try to cover till now. Now uh, another thing is Pollock uses this heavily to criticise the Shastra, so I will just go over this quickly. So the theory of creation which is held by the Sankhya and Vedanta Pakshas is called Satkaryavada, which essentially means that no new object is created. Whatever is in existence is manifest from it being already there. So for example, When we make pot out of clay, the pot is already potential in the clay, but this does not mean that the potter is not given his credit, it only means that whatever is inherent, whatever is potentially there alone can come out. And just because it is potential doesn't mean it is random, there is an invariable law. So potter has to go through a certain process and then only get the pot. For example, again they can sleep by gave because it's there in a common experience, the person who goes to sleep alone will wake up. And then we cannot control the process or the time at which we go to sleep. So and some again points out that our word is projection and not creation. Because creation has this meaning that something which was not there comes into existence which which will violate you know the law of conservation in some sense. So now if this Satary if you uh, adapted to the production of knowledge How does it work? That is why in India Every branch of knowledge The origin is said to be Some aspect of the divine For example for Ayurveda. Every branch you can find Dance you have Shiva and Raja And uh, as Madam was mentioning The Taittiriya Upanishad says That all the knowledge Of all the four Vedas Is already there in the mind It could be the cosmic mind Or which is again The collection of the individual mind So all the knowledge Is already there in us and which again is a very famous quote of Swami Vivekananda that education is a manifestation of perfection already there. And Aitareya Upanishad says that pragnanam brahma, which means that awareness or knowledge which reveals the thoughts itself is brahman and everything else, the mundane knowledge which is an object of the thought is called as an object of knowledge. So that is not really knowledge because knowledge is constant which is revealing the object. So this all all this follows from the Sapkariavada, which is held by the Sun can Vedanta And interestingly, in this context, you know, Aryavatain is Aryavhatiyam. He said Earth is a sphere, and then Earth goes around the sun. But the thing is, he makes this statement very casually, without even claiming that he is, you know, discovering some great truth, and all others are fools that they have not come upon this truth. Whereas Copernicus, without making any observations, just based on some arguments of you beauty or simplicity, he just argues this uh, point. But, I mean, th- here is where we need to note the difference in the two cultures. Again, Sayanacharya, he addresses the sun and says, it's well known that you travel so many Yojanas in so many Numeshas, which, is very, which comes very close to the speed of light which is measured today. Of course, I mean, people could disagree that maybe it's a retrofit, it could be. But then, I am only pointing out the humility and the simplicity with which Sayanacharya is, Saying it. He doesn't say I am discovering some great fundamental truth He says it is well known that you travel this Now switching gears, now this is the insider's view So uh, what does Pollock do in his paper? So, so as I pointed out, Paravitya and Aparavitya are totally different streams But what Pollock does is He takes shastras, all kinds of shastras and then gives a general generalized view So Upanishad for so, so on the inside of you it belongs to the Paravidya, other three you could call apara. But then he takes, let's say Upanishad, which I will uh, I'll bring the quote later on, and then he says that always theory is given importance over practice, which is not true. You could say to an extent, Yakarna, Shastra Kama Sutra, these are evolving over time. So you can take, the theory can take inputs from practice. But there is also a component which will come from the Veda, which is Apovrasheya. So again, we'll have a component, maybe what he calls theory, which we don't really agree, but again, as somebody said, Dharma also comes from the Veda, as Mahasmati says. That is because Dharma is again Apovrasheya. We don't have any means for saying what is Dharma, what is Asrama. So that comes from the Veda. And based on our, whatever experiences in society, we will have the angle of practice also coming in, together going to make the lower shastras as one. And then this satkaryavada is essentially for a transcendent realm to understand the nature of this creation to essentially understand what is the source of my happiness. But he reduces this uh, idea into a very material level and says that if you are saying that everything is already there all knowledge is already there in potential form then what is your contribution? Essentially saying you have not contributed anything. But I have already you know, Professor Jha also has mentioned in the morning and then we also saw here, that there is a certain understanding with which out of humility or out of this understanding of the culture it's, we are making such statements and not, uh, so just because we hold that aspect of the divinity to be the originator of a certain knowledge doesn't mean that the person who is the composer of the Shastra does not uh, deserve credit. Uh, so knowledge is power is essentially a Western idea. Our idea has always been which comes in the Vishnu Purana. So that is knowledge which is liberating and not which merely gives you power. And it is many people acknowledge this that India has always been a lot of diverse customs and con- uh, traditions which are organically evol- evolving continuously. But then he says Boda goes on to say that sectional interests of a certain class of people, you know, is kind of universalized all over the world. Um, wherever we call India or whichever uh, place the civilization was spread. And that is again not the case because when the Veda was challenged intellectually there appeared other people who came in and responded in the defense of the Veda pointing out the lacunas in the philosophy where the Veda was challenged. For example uh, Buddhists and uh, Vaisheshikas debated for a very long time and of course Purva was also debated and then Vedanta was extension of Puruvamiyam on and the extension the Upanishads. And during the colonial times when the access to these texts became difficult the Na- portion of the Upanishad was taken and then it evolved into the Bhakti movement. You know, uh, co- connecting the masses also with this uh, eternal Ravist. so that way he is not paying any heed to the ground reality and then simply making some generalized statements. And yeah, so here is the statement from Chandogya which he quotes And he says that there are two people, two persons doing the same action but one person does it through an understanding, through Shraddha and by uh, understanding the Upanishad and that is better. So in a sense he is reducing it to saying that although both are doing the same practice, One who has this extra quote-unquote theory is better. But that is not the case because this this statement of the Upanishad is essentially uh, a statement for meditation. So all that the Rishi is saying here is, once you understand what you have to meditate upon, your meditation will be better. It's as simple as that, but which he is trying to complicate bringing in other Shastras and then over Even above that, although we have so many Shastras, Nobody says that the Shastra should be blindly followed, nor that any occasion in life you will have a Shastra which should be pertinent. Because this, uh, what I say? the saying is very famous, Yasyanastisvayam prajna shastram tase karavati It's as though, you know, uh, a mirror is as useful, how, how useful is a mirror to a blind person? So one who doesn't have his own intellect, what will what use of what use uh, will be of Shastra? So even these kind of statements are also there in the tradition, which follow consistently you know, are very uh, easily. Interestingly, uh, getting to think about it, I found that even Arjuna raises this question in the third chapter, beginning of the third chapter, after listening to the Upadesha in the second chapter, which is termed Sankhya Yoga. So where Arjuna maybe misunderstands that. Krishna is praising knowledge but then he's forcing him to do this, the Hasti war. So Arjuna asked that question. So there the reconciliation is that Arjuna is not ready for this knowledge yet and his Vabhava prompts him to fight the war. So Krishna is advising him that it is better that he fights the war in accordance with his Vabhava and thereby grows and then becomes qualified for knowledge. Okay, so with that, uh, I presented the problem of having to understand, let me put the history of Indian civilization, There, are, some people may call it decline, some may not agree, may, maybe they will say it's the process of evolution of the society, uh, trying to um, respond to the changes which occur. Either way, we need to have a better understanding of our own history. And then I briefly presented the explanation offered by various scholars and then spent slightly more time on wallet. And the views expressed by Pollock, we see that are overgeneralizing, carefully cherry picking. For example, here he does not mention the injunctions of certain rituals in the Veda, which prompt us to investigate more into geometry, to uh, construct the complex Yajnavedis, and which forces us to you know uh, investigate more about astronomy, which will help uh, forces us to investigate more on mathematics. Those things he con- uh, conveniently ignores. It doesn't mention anything about the Ramayana, which has inspired hundred, uh, hundred other Ramayanas and so many paintings. So those things are conveniently ignored. And then carefully again, so he's cherry-picking some of the points to support his own uh, theory. And then generalizing across the Shastras, in a wide spectrum without uh, giving any heed to the breadth and depth of the Shastras. Finally, I would like to acknowledge all my Gurus' work. Well grace I've been able to uh, understand anything if, if if something is correct in my presentation the very close to them but that uh, I conclude it all thank you thank you for the opportunity